right, welcome back to another episode of The Cheat Sheet right here on Laugh Lee. My name is Mark Seaman. That's unfortunate. But fortunately, I'm joined once again by Kelly Anakin and uh, Ra Ra, both from Laugh Lee. How are you guys doing today? I'm great. I'm excited to be talking to you guys. I haven't seen you in like a month. Yeah, we're having withdrawal here, Kelly. Uh, it's I know terrible. I'm... I have to come visit. Absolutely. Ra Ra, how you doing, man? Oh, man, time flies. But when it flies the right way... It's the cheat sheet way, and I love it. <laughs> why do I feel like that's going to be on your tombstone? I don't know why. I'm just calling it here. I got five bucks down. That's well, you great. never know. You never know. You know, maybe they'll say handsome guy as well, but it's hard to say. <laughs> I uh, was that... not expecting us to get that morbid right at the top here. I, I am, I am scared now, Mark. Oh, you shouldn't be scared, but I, but I will say this. <laughs> Me personally. You know, I want to be cremated and, and on my urn uh, that I'll be contained in, I want the inscription to read, you earned it. <laughs> and will they sprinkle your ashes down by the flats? <laughs> the flats of Cleveland, the flats of Cleveland, unfortunately, are no longer there. But I, I have a feeling if you were to spread my ashes down uh, where the flats used to be, they will um, resurrect themselves uh, from the grave, just like a zombie would from the dead. Um, nice. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. But all right, let's get off the morbid page and and uh, and let's celebrate life, shall we? Laughly life. We have hit a big, huge, giant milestone number. Uh, you know, congratulations all around. You know, every once in a while, you're allowed to toot your own horn, and we're going to do that now. Two hundred and fifty thousand users on Laughly. That's awesome. That's huge. And uh, congrats all around, guys, uh, and all the hard work paying off, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, funny thing is, you know, Laughly at the beginning was just a great idea that kind of was created from just a missing niche of, you know, a really great place to listen to comedy. And, you know, now it's grown into this phenomenon. It's grown into a movement. And it's just really, really great to see um, you know, that people are really responding incredibly to it. If we're a movement, I think we need to make more March signs. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, are, what kind of signs are we going to do? Are we going to do the ones that have, like, puns on them? Uh, are oh. they going to rhyme? Oh, you're the, you're the king of puns. Uh, yeah. I, I'll, you're the uh... punisher. <laughs> I think we should go funny lives matter. You know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's just let's just take that uh, Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial as our inspiration, right? Right. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, man. Well, congratulations, guys. Obviously, we're not the whole team, so we've got to give a shout out to everybody else involved. You know, everybody working on the back end. Uh, you know, crunching all the numbers, writing all the code doing all the loading, all that stuff. Can't thank them enough. And, uh, you know, and our CEO, Dave, too, putting this whole thing together from, from the beginning, you know. From top to bottom, we're all busting, uh, busting our balls to make this thing happen, working 28-hour days. And, and it's just nice to see a number like 250,000 staring you in the face. So, so congratulations all around. And you, the Laughly listener, and you, the Laughly user, obviously, there is no Laughly without you. So, so thank you so much for listening. And we, we can only hope you're enjoying uh, everything that you have access to. And the good news is that there's more of that coming and uh, more original programmings, more live streaming, more comedy albums, and more funny. So uh, thank you, Laughly users, for making it all happen. 
some news that's uh, it's actually kind of currently happening right now. Eliza Schlesinger, very funny comic, great comic. Uh, somebody who I ran into randomly in the streets of Paris at four in the morning. Uh, believe it or not, it was a pretty crazy encounter. Uh, that is really random. Yeah, my, my wife, <laughs> it was so funny. My wife screamed immediately after it happened, I can't even take you to France without you running into somebody you know at four in the fucking morning. Um, so it was... Yeah, it that, was, that is really crazy because it's like you don't expect to run into people when you go abroad. And the fact that you ran into somebody who's a colleague and not only a colleague, but a comedian that you respect is really, really just ironic. Sure. And and like I said, four in the morning is no nothing to... to you know, shrug your shoulders at. It's like, who's out in four in the morning, you know, roaming around doing whatever. But we just heard each other's voice because we were both having a conversation at the time and both our heads turned and we were like, what? What? <laughs> and then uh, and then her boyfriend at the time and my now wife were then forced into uh, engaging in a conversation. I'm pretty sure they didn't plan on having <laughs> on a vacation as Eli- uh, Eliza and I nerded out for about three hours. So, um, oh my god! I was expecting you to be like, oh, for like ten minutes, and then we both went our separate ways. Three hours? Well, I, I exaggerate a little bit, but I, I will say, <laughs> it, mm, I want to say at least an hour, at least an hour, uh, and then oh. and uh, then we decided to call it. But nonetheless, Eliza Schlesinger, to bring it all full circle here, had, had done an interview. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Kelly, but uh, with Deadline, I believe. Yeah, it was Deadline, uh, Deadline Hollywood. And, uh, and you know, she was asked, you know, questions about comedy. Obviously, she has a show now uh, called Truth and Eliza that's on Freeform. I encourage everyone to check it out. It's, it's like a late night talk show. And she was asked, you know, about comedy. And, and she started discussing uh, women in comedy specifically and how she can't really, you know, in comedy clubs now when she listens to, to female comedians – she can't tell any of their sets apart. Like she doesn't know who's who because they all seem to be talking about the same thing in the same way. And there's no distinction. And, and then she went on to, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, say that there are other things to be discussing instead of, uh, vaginas and, and having to be shocking and, and, and things like that. And, uh, when you do something like that in the comedy world and you tell people what you can and can't do, or even really just voice your opinion, on comedy, uh, there's going to be instant backlash, and that's kind of what happened with with Eliza, and uh, and she didn't really back down from her statements either, and and so there's been some mini Twitter wars going on, or at least everyone just weighing in. So Kelly, I'll throw this one to you. Uh, you know, you read the article, you've been following this. So how do you how do you take this when when you hear something like that, especially as a female comic? So okay, to back up. Uh... This happened, I think it was June, like, 13th or something. It was my favorite day that there's ever been on Twitter. This <laughs> was amazing. So I was just, you know, I was online. I was definitely not, like, screwing around at work. Um, but I saw there's a comedian named, uh, is it Lisa or Liza Trigger? Uh, Lisa Trigger. Okay, yeah. so there's this comedian. Uh, did you just say Lisa? I don't know how I cannot retain it's these It's okay, things. yeah, it's, it's Lisa Trigger. <laughs> She's a very okay. funny comic, yeah, based here in New York. It, it, hilarious, so yeah. Lisa Trigger is like, 
tweeting at Eliza. This is this is how I found out about the interview. This is how I found out about everything. Just because I follow Lisa on Twitter. And she's like saying all these things. Like she's basically like stepping to Eliza and being like, uh, you're a hack. This is ridiculous. I can talk about anything I want. So I start going on just a reverse, uh, a reverse journey to be like, what? What happened? Because <laughs> um, this is unusual. This is very unusual. Comics typically don't go at each other like this. So this is <laughs> relatively early on. But by the end of the day, I think every comedian in at least North America and definitely some other people in Canada and the UK and Australia have like weighed in on this because essentially what Eliza said is that uh, well, so she, she started out kind of saying, and this is a direct quote, that I do think many women think, oh, if I just act like a guy, if I go for that low-hanging fruit, everything's about sex or how weird I am, it just all kinds of runs together. Which, okay, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the things that she's saying, whatever. But then she starts talking about how she can't tell anybody's act apart from each other. And, you know, she says that she's banging her head against the wall because women want to be treated as equals and we want feminism to be a thing. But it's really difficult when every woman makes the same point about her vagina over and over. I think I'm the only woman out there that has a joke about World War II in my set. <laughs> I do not know who her publicist is. Right. I do yeah. not know why they let this go to press. Because this is like an entire paragraph of just triggers. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, regardless of gender, and this was what I posted about it, was like, hey, comedians, regardless of gender or success level, don't want to be told how to write their jokes. And the beautiful thing to me about comedy, as far as content goes, it's a democracy. Like, you choose what you as the comedian want to talk about. And if that resonates with people, then, you know, you move on to the next level of success and on up the ladder. And Eliza's very successful. And I know, you know, there's a lot of comedians who don't like what she does, but she puts butts in seats and it's like, you know, you respect that. But it's also a, you know, brotherhood and sisterhood in comedy. And it's really rude to throw an entire group under the bus and make this generalization about, you know, and it seems like, and she doesn't really clarify, but it's like, it's, she's talking about like these sort of like up and comers doing this. And, you know, everybody's always figuring out their voice and, you know, and I hear this criticism a lot. I heard this a lot sort of when Amy Schumer was really peaking, people would be like, oh my God, like Amy Schumer's really successful, but why does she only talk about sex? And I'm like, if you don't like it, like there's other comedy out there <laughs> and there's a lot of diversity. Like, you know, it's like, who, are you talking about, like, Maria Bamford and Aparna Nanchurla? Like, they don't talk about their pussies all the time. Uh, so it's just, it's it was a weird thing to say. And then to me, what was even more insane was that when people started coming at her, she was responding to, like, everybody trolling her. And before that happened, the cynical part of me was like, did she just, like... Did she want to kind of cause this stir on the web, you know, 
did she just want a bunch of kind of free press out of this? Because, you know, that's certainly a strategy and it's a strategy that can be very effective. Sure. But, you know, anytime you're explaining yourself, it's not a good look. I don't care if you're a politician. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a comedian. If you're explaining yourself, just, you know, just say what went wrong and don't try and convince people to see it your way. You know, like... You just got to say, okay, uh, you didn't like that. Fair enough. What, or, you know, if you want to double down and say, I stand by it, but like, don't be, you know, you're not going to win coming back at every comedian nope. who right. is, is coming at you. Like this is, this is what comedians live for this kind of beef. And you know, it was, <laughs> it was like Christmas in June. It was so entertaining. I will say this, Kelly, my, my favorite uh, tweet, because I'm looking at a bunch of them here, you know, mm-hmm. reactions. Um, and, it, and it's weird because it, it is, you open yourself up to just people taking shots that, that that might not even be related to what's being discussed here, but it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, cool, this is my opportunity to make a joke because you are a comedian and it is going to mm-hmm. be at the expense of, of someone who's getting berated. And it's like piling mm-hmm. on, right? But I will say, um, did you see Anthony Jeselnik's uh, tweet? He, he, oh my god! So it, perfect, so perfect. It was, it was. Oh my god, I loved it. Yeah, he basically. I, I, I almost felt like this whole, you know, scenario was, you know, almost like a Nicki Minaj, uh, Remy Ma beef. Uh, yes, <laughs> or, except for white you know, bitches. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Is this Remy Ma and, and Nicki Minaj going at each other? What's going on right now? So great. Well, Rashidi, check out this tweet here from Anthony Jeselnik. He, he, uh, he says, I, for one, love comics giving wild shit-talking interviews that throw half the industry under the bus. Why else even give an interview? And, yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's so Jeselnik. And then right under that, a, a tweet from Guy Branham, who, who we obviously all love and and oh my God. Able to live stream. He just wrote, guys, 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 let's agree. Uh, I am the only good female comedian. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, you, you know, the thing, so here's the thing, man. I, 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 my thing, my take on it is, is that, you know, I feel like, you know, there's some merit to what she's saying, but, but then on the flip side, you know, I look at, there's a, there's a large amount of, female comedians to try to just put that all in one box and just say, Hey, all females comedians only talk about sex, only talk about vagina, but all in one box, huh? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I see think what that you that's, did there, Rara. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying, right? Of course. So you say, so there's some female comedians who only talk about sex is what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is it's generalized. It's, it's very much generalizing to put all of the females in one box and just say oh, that yeah. every comedian talks on female comedians only talk about this. Females comedians only talk about this. Well, guess what? There are certain things that are part of a woman's experience that obviously they're going to speak on that are different, you know, but I don't, I, I, I can honestly say that, you know, there are female comedians that don't talk about sex. Like you said, Kelly. And I do believe that, you know, she just was making like a, a, a huge generalization um, that kind of just didn't sit well. Yeah. And, and the other thing that was funny to me is like, you know, I saw somebody tweeting about like, wow, like it's really weird watching all these people harassing a woman 
when they say that they're feminists, which to me, I'm like that. And you'll rarely hear me say this. This was not about feminism in the sense of, you know, every woman's opinion is valid. It was just like, this was, this was, this was without gender. This was, right. you know, to a degree without ethnicity. This was just comedians right. being comedians. And like, this oh, is yeah. what we do. This wasn't, this wasn't like nobody doxed her. Nobody went to her house. Everybody was just like, hey, you said something that was really lame. And we're going to say something about it. Now, you know, it's part of being part of the public discourse. So yeah. what do you think the uh, recourse is? Do you think that she's just going to be publicly shamed for a while and put in comedian jail? or She's not even going to be in comedian jail. I mean, the vast majority of people who had an issue, like, they're, they're not targeting the same audience as Eliza. Right. You know, she's got her niche, and her niche is going to be on her side. So this is not going to damage her. The original right. comments wouldn't damage her. Her cohort that really likes her they're gonna they're gonna agree with her and you know what they agree with is that eliza is the only good female comedian which is the implication of the original comments right um and you know and she you know she then you know in her in her feedback on twitter wanted all this credit she's like oh I, like i take these women on the road and blah 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 i'm like well why didn't you talk about them instead of just sort of throwing generic you know jane doe comedian under the bus talk about your openers you know, put well, yeah, a and, then, and then and then the funny thing is, is that I've heard, I've heard her work out where she's actually talked about sex and women and females and uh, of course, and, I mean, and, that, and that's brought up like, too. That's been brought up like, as well. It's a little hypocritical. I'm sorry. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, that were tweeting uh, also pointed that out. Like, hey, you know, you, you're doing exact. You've done exactly what what you're saying uh, is boring or too repetitious and stuff. Well, and that's, I mean, that's what's tough about you know, if you're gonna make a criticism that's a generalization, I mean, come on, nobody, nobody's I don't, not even have to be perfect, but it's like. If you're saying that, like, you better be darn sure that you're not throwing stones from a glass house, you know? That's like, right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I will uh, – I'll end this part of the discussion uh, this way. Kelly, do you think, you know, it would this would even be a topic of conversation if it were uh, a male comedian throwing other male comedians under the bus for talking about, you know, dicks or gluten or whatever? Because – you know, I went and saw a comedy show last night. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just say gluten? <laughs> I, look, I, every single comedian that went on stage at this show I went to last night all brought gluten into their fucking set somehow. And I'm thinking, you, you know, I'm focusing on the repetitious part of this article, which was, hey, everyone's talking about the same thing. And all it did to me is point out, like, yeah, comedy topics easily come in waves, you know? Mm -hmm. it, go, it goes without saying with Trump. Trump's going to be infused in everything just because it's overwhelming in the, in the public eye. But, but like these throwaway, toss-away things that you see r repeating themselves like gluten. Uh, every comedian must have had a joke about a ghost, <laughs> you know, like, oh, fucking a ghost or I mean, some kind look. of ghost or I look like so-and-so mixed with a fucking ghost. I'm like, what is with... <laughs> What's with ghosts like making like making this huge fucking you know presence in comedy? They're making they're, they're making a, a <laughs> ghosts are making a comeback, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's no, I mean you know to me okay. I think there's a couple different things at work here. One is every comedian thinks every other comedian is a hack, right? Like 
that's just that's just how it works you know secondly there is a weird psychological thing with women where you know we're still making inroads in the industry and there's this defensiveness and this need to prove that not even that you're one of the guys but like that you appeal to the guys that you're cool like the guys whatever you want to call it I mean I don't generally engage with that too much my mo is usually to make comedy as if men don't exist um and you know i understand the uh the profitability limitations there but women are pitted against each other in a way that men aren't necessarily in comedy and i think when men throw other comedians under the bus they're much more likely to name names right Right. So it's very it's a, it's a different of specificity where somehow like she's trying to have it both ways here and she does make a reference like oh you know she's also kind of throwing men under the bus too by saying that men always go for the low hanging fruit that did not really get highlighted as much um because it doesn't have that you know it doesn't have that uh hook of being like turning against one's own or what have you right right and so i you know i think Male comedians, and I've read articles where male comedians will throw other male comedians under the bus, but they will be a lot more specific. Whereas, like, women, I think, don't feel as empowered to have specific opinions, especially about other women comedians, because I think there's also this, this trepidation because, you know, there's still so many shows where there's only one woman on the lineup. And, you know, so it makes you feel like there's only that one slot. Right. So it's but, a, but, so but it's would like a you power... say that that has a lot to do with just the number of comedians that are um, that are just in the genre? I mean, you know, like when you say that there's just more men comedian than there are female comedian. I mean, as like as far as numbers, you know what I'm saying? But that comes with opportunity, Rashidi, right? So if mm-hmm. if more female comedians got opportunities, there'd be more female comedians. You know what I mean? I think that's. Well, yeah, it's about yeah, representation I mean, and visibility, and I mean, there are fewer women. I would, again, if anybody wants to fund my comedy think tank, I would love that, because <laughs> I would love to actually do an exhaustive study, because women try to break in the field, because if you don't see women advancing, and you're in an environment that can oftentimes be hostile to women, fewer people are going to stick around. Right. That's true. Kelly, I want to bring up this point real quick, is... Does it, it from the outside looking in, and obviously I'm a guy. I, I feel what? like <laughs> I feel like no. guys. I feel like guys are you know are so simple when it comes to this type of thing where it's not necessarily power in numbers. Where where I feel like it's assumed it's a power in numbers thing on the female side of the coin. Much to your point, where hey, aren't we supposed to be sticking together? Why would we throw anybody under the bus? We're supposed to be a team. If one breaks through, we all break through. You know what I mean? That kind of vibe, you know, the, the girl power vibe versus guys are just like, whatever, you're a douche, fuck off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and be, because, there, because there are more, you don't have to rely on that. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to, like you said, if there's one female comedian on the show or two, it's it's like any other social experiment where people will find the other people that are like them and they will group together and it's almost like a it's almost like a native thing that you do just in nature for protection and then you work from there you know what i mean and then if there's internal problems you figure those out i i feel like that's kind of the same case here with female comics and and you know to your point again kelly 
I f- and Rashidi, I think all the comics that went after Eliza or at least said something on Twitter are people that probably either A, already don't like her, B, don't care, th- you know, C, have a completely different audience, so they're not going to harm their audience by nah. th- throwing shade at Eliza, and, and there's no harm, no foul there, except for they just get to take a pot shot and showcase that they're a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I only have two more things to say. One, which is, you know, solidarity is great, but if you're going to throw everybody under the bus, you can't expect that solidarity to be shown to you. And secondly, let's remember, women have not been allowed to talk about their pussies in public for very long, comparatively <laughs> speaking. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, there there was not uh, a woman at the time of Lenny Bruce going around and doing that. We've had to fight really hard to tell hack jokes about our genitals. So, uh, you know, cut us some slack, Eliza. Let us figure it out. (laughs) Well, you guys had Donald Trump doing it forever, so, you know. Uh, uh, (laughs) Hashtag not my pussy joke. Right. (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Well, thank you for weighing in on that. Obviously, you you know... uh, I don't think Eliza is going to be in comedy jail or anything. She's doing her own thing and uh, will continue to do so. And she'll have her fans uh, no matter what she says and vice yeah, versa for no, all those no who oppose. At point in this was I concerned about the future of Eliza's career. She'll be fine. All right. And, uh, and Eliza, if you're listening, I'll see you next time in France, 4 a.m. You know the spot. <laughs> you know the spot. All right. Uh, this is pretty interesting. Uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, a great show on HBO. And the reason I bring this up is because we're now at a crossroads, a definitive crossroads here of comedy intervening with, you know, I don't want to say real life because comedy is real life, but comedy is more of a reflection of real life versus actually being the thing that's being reflected, right? So Hannibal Burris makes a joke uh, about Bill Cosby. In fact, a joke he'd been doing for a long, long time, but finally it got noticed. And then you have actual Bill Cosby in actual court dealing with actual, uh, accusations, right? To talk about John Oliver specifically, John Oliver is now getting sued by the CEO of a coal mining company. So here in turn, uh, John Oliver got a cease and desist letter from a CEO of, of a coal mining company saying like, hey, stop talking about us, stop bringing us up, I don't want any of this defamation of character bullshit, please cease and desist. And and you never tell a comedian to cease and desist because the first thing they're going to do is neither of those things. So John Oliver went right at it, brought the CEO up again on his show and went at him pretty hard and even called out the cease and desist and said, I'm not doing it, or I'm not ceasing or desisting. And then, uh, and even made a comment that said, chances are I'm probably going to get sued for doing this. And here we are now, uh, John Oliver's actually getting sued. Um, so now we find another comedian crossing that threshold of, you know, not only what you can and can't talk about, but having it become a legal issue, having it be a legality situation. Right. You know, comedians in their bits all the time might say things like, "Ah, I ate a Taco Bell and I've been shitting my pants ever since, blah, blah, blah. That's, you know, that in a way is uh, is speaking badly or being opinionated about a name brand or or, or something that gets out there. Um, Some people may do that while they're at a comedy festival that's being sponsored by same thing that they're bashing. 
So that's the other end of the spectrum, but here we find ourselves in an actual legal situation yet again through comedy. So where's the line of what you can and can't do that brings up a legal situation? Uh, Rashidi, how do, you, how do you feel about that? Like if you hear a comedian talking specifically about a name brand or a company or a person, is that okay? I mean, look, you know, um, the funny thing is on SNL, you know, they take shots at NBC all the time. And I think that, you know, with, the, with NBC being the distributor of the show and probably the chief financer, um, it's one of those things where, you know, a lot of things are going to be taken in, as, you know, in fun. And then there are things that are disruptive to the, the, the brand image. Um, so, you know, obviously a, a, a sponsor sponsoring something and the comedian going at that sponsor in a light, funny way is what is expected. If, if, as long as it's done in a way that doesn't embarrass the sponsor or make the sponsor look like it's diminishing its value or attaching itself to, to um, you know, something that's not a reputable practice of that brand. So, you know, if you would say that, you know, Pepsi continuously, you know, is the discriminates against a certain group, then obviously you wouldn't want to say that because that wouldn't necessarily be true. Um, in this case, I think John Oliver, you know, um, I think that, you know, he probably went under the auspice of, you know, his freedom of speech. And, you know, I'm not sure that he intended to to make malice with this particular company, but it, oh, he again, did. that yeah. was the whole point. Yeah, the whole point. Yeah, the whole <laughs> point here he is that he went right know, at it. You know but I don't mean? know if he intended to say, "I'm doing this to corrupt your business forever." Um, I mean, I mean, I, did, I mean, it's it's a coal company, and well, the whole point of last week with John Oliver is to sort of find these high level people who are you know, committing malfeasance and doing mm. things that John Oliver and his staff think are evil. Right. So as a satirist, it's it's in a very different class than somebody talking about Taco Bell at a, at a festival. You know, that's a that's a commercial situation where, you know, there's there's a business relationship there. And, you know, Taco Bell in that situation can choose to continue that business relationship or not. If, you know, if they didn't put a clause in the contract with the comedian not to talk right. about their exactly. plot, you know, that's that's fine. But this is, I mean, John Oliver went into this segment knowing full well that this guy, uh, his name incidentally is Bob Murray. He is the CEO of Murray Energy. Right. He knows that he's a very litigious man and mm -hmm. he had already received a cease and desist. So this is, I mean, it's a political statement. He's saying you are exploiting the lives of the miners that work for your company. And that's more important to me than this lawsuit. It's more important, you know, presumably than being able to continue the show. No, right. But what I mean is, you know, is it one of those things where he obviously went for the jugular, but in, in his heart, did he mean to like, I'm going to destroy this particular company. Right. I don't well, know if that was his intent per se was to actually destroy the company or was it just to bring awareness to the corruption and the exploitation of their employees? Well, you understand I, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so he, 
the thing about John, you know, he approaches these things as as do any of these shows, you know, whether it's any of these late night shows or the Daily Show or whatever, is they they present things hopefully through fact, but at the same time they blur those lines of fact and and parody, right? Because they they are entertainers in the end and their goal is to make people laugh. Like John's getting us through this horrible coal story or what he considers a horrible cool story and situation through comedy, right? So that keeps you engaged so that when he does bring up the facts, they almost hit harder because you're not instantly turned off by like, oh, you're just sh- shredding apart this the CEO or this business or this is bad or this is bad. It's like, no, I'm showing you the facts, but we're going to laugh together to get there so so that everyone is on the same page here. And and he... Right. And, and it's weird, that, and, and it's actually great that you bring that up, I should say, Rashidi. I don't think his intent is like, I'm going to bring this guy down so that he's jailed and I'm going to ruin his life and destroy his family and all of that stuff. But he did get a cease and desist letter from this company uh, and basically telling him they're going to seek immediate litigation if you continue to talk about me. And as a comedian, like we all know, you're going right at that, right? Oh, yeah. And, oh yeah, and, and, and then the other part of it too is, you know, he did. I think John did exactly what he wanted to do. He brought awareness to this, and you know, I think that people who who might be um, part of the environmentalist movement and the human rights movement, you know, they're gonna do the work for him. You know, sure. And uh, and, and I'm sure HBO's lawyers will have a big hand in that too. Yeah, and HBO. Um, They've defended Last Week Tonight. In fact, they released a statement that said, We have confidence in the staff of Last Week Tonight and do not believe anything in the show this week violated Mr. Murray's or Murray Energy's rights. So so they're clearly on board, you know, with John. And, and, and you know, I'm sure they vet this stuff a little bit before, if, if not a lot, before it does go on the air, before they tape and everything. So um, it's not like John's a total wild card here. You know what I mean? It's not like no one knew, no one didn't know this was coming. You know what I mean? From the HBO side of the coin, and and uh, uh, unlike uh, Eliza and maybe her PR team, you know, I think <laughs> I think they, you know, the folks they over thought at this HBO, through. yeah, I'm sure the folks over at HBO were clearly like, hey, you can go and do this. It's going to be a shit show, but we got your back, and there's nothing they're going to be able to do. So well, and what I've seen too is that. The word on the legal streets is that they'll be citing the uh, Hustler versus Falwell Supreme Court decision in 1998, uh, which was, if you guys remember or have heard about this, um, Hustler magazine depicted a pretty gross uh, takedown of the Reverend Jerry Falwell, but it was protected speech, according right. to the Supreme Court. So the thought is this is not going to be something that drags on for a long time. There's cl- clear legal precedent for this kind of thing in terms of satire. Right, right. No one's bringing Weird Al down. No one. Ever. <laughs> Ever. You got that? Even if I have to spend my last dime, I will defend him to the end. Um, <laughs> look, the, the point is here, uh, you know, comedy can and does – cross that threshold all the time uh, where it becomes a legal matter just like this. And uh, look, um, if you don't want to get butt hurt, don't be a douche. It's that simple. <laughs> I think that's what I want on my tombstone. Yes. 
<laughs> Way to bring it full circle. All right, uh, let's move on to the previous month's new album releases. We had a bunch of them again. I don't know what is going on with summer, but it's like it's like gremlins when it comes to comedy albums. Uh, we it's had road trip season, my friend. Road trip season. That's true. Jeff Zimmerman wow. had uh, a new album called "And I Am Not Lying." Jim Gaffigan released the album version of his Netflix special called Cinco. J.L. Colvin uh, released Fireside Craps, which is a pun on Fireside Chats, but uh, done uh, in the stylings of Donald Trump. Very funny. Check it out. Uh, Brent Weinbach, appealing to the mainstream. We had Andrew Santino's Home Field Advantage. Chris James released uh, Bottom Text. Our very own Sid Singh released Amazing Probably. And finally, David Dyer uh, released Uncooked. So of all those releases uh, this past month, anything jump out at you guys? Well, you know, look, I'm a big fan of Sid as a person. And, you know, I was really shocked uh, that, you know, he had a, a quality album. You know, I, I'm, I really <laughs> like the joke. Why were no, you I, shocked? Backhanded you compliment know, it, much? You, <laughs> you know, meaning that, you know, when I first met him, it wasn't in a comedian capacity, you know? Ah, and, okay. And, you know, so really listening to his albums, I felt like, you know, he really took the time to develop his set. And, you know, he had a great few, um, you know, re- remarks and punchlines that I thought were great. And, you know, I'm just a fan of him as a person, so it made, you know, listening to his 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 set very easy. Cool. Kelly, uh, any album jump out at you? Yeah, I loved Jeff Zimmerman's album. I was like just totally blown away by it. I was really surprised because I hadn't heard of him before. And I knew that he was a storyteller. And usually I'm not a huge fan of storytelling. But he tells this amazing story about a band that he was in that it was him playing the typewriter as a percussion instrument while his yes. bandmate played guitar and bass. And then they mm-hmm. had two live chickens yeah, the, playing the chi- toy pianos. The chickens would play music. Uh, they, they would super glue corn, <laughs> pieces of dried corn, and trick the chickens <laughs> into playing music. Like, I... You can hear how much I'm laughing now. I was listening to this on the train and people were like giving me looks. And then I was like walking to the office and a dude was like driving an Uber and he saw me like grinning like a maniac. And then he started laughing like he had no idea what I was doing. But Jeff Zimmerman brought joy like by proxy to this other person who had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you know, the cab driver probably looked at you and said Jeff Zimmerman, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) He was the recording engineer on the album, that guy that pulled up next to you. Exactly. So what's really cool about Jeff's album, too, just to add on to that, and and it is true, it's the story of that band is hilarious. Uh, What's really cool is Jeff threw on a bonus track onto the album and he actually includes a, a live recording of his band performing. Uh, yes. And it's, it's, you can't miss it. it it's, you got to listen to it. It's, it's if, I, if I had a hot tub time machine, I would go back in time and see that band. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of those. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, Fred, seeing Freddie, Freddie Mercury with Queen is on my list. But actually, it might get trumped by Jeff Zimmerman in this Two Chicken Band with him on the typewriter. I'm not sure. Uh, you, it's almost too good to be true. Uh, I'm going to throw a bone to Andrew Santino just because I like the dude. Um, it was cool to finally get a full album from him. And, 
you know, you did an interview with Andrew, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And Andrew's like a he's like a guy's guy, uh, and but he just kind of says how he just says how it is, man. He's from the Midwest. He's from Chicago. Uh, so you know he uses words like poop and stuff like that, it, but it's okay what because he uses words like poop. Yeah, Do people yeah. not say is, poop is outside that, the is, Midwest? Is is that a is that a Midwest word? I'm from the Midwest. I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, no, I'm. I guess what I'm saying is here is he didn't try to dress it up. It's just like that's how people talk in the Midwest. Like I felt the Midwest vibe coming out of him is what I'm trying to say. And he, I he mean, clearly a bunch of casseroles on stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, you, uh, you, you, you filled the poop out of this guy, too. Uh, hey, 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 hey. Well, anyway, I, I just uh, was very satisfied with Andrew's album. Uh, it was really good. He, he, um, he talks about, uh, you know, hip-hop a bunch on this, too, and as a white, uh, red-headed guy, uh, it's, it's really funny to get his take on, on hip-hop and, and how he feels about it. Because he's, he's not necessarily on paper the first guy you'd go to for for uh, an opinion on hip hop and and what's uh, become of it since you know his his growing up time in the eighties. But uh, anyway, Andrew's album, check it out. It's called Home Field Advantage. Very funny, uh, and it's a good album. So congrats to all the comics who released albums. We're obviously going to be having boatloads more coming our way uh, over the next month, which we'll be happy to tell you about on the next episode of the Cheat Sheet. But before we get to that next episode, we have a bunch of stuff we want to promote on our way out here. Uh, new episodes of the backstory, the takeover on second thought, shrink this life after death, randos, the comedy vault, all that's coming your way. And they all include guests like Emma Wilman, Eric Griffin, Dave Hill, Liz Mealy, Kostaki Konimopoulos, Ryan Dalton, Jamie Kaler, Roy Wood Jr. Uh, the host of, of guys we fuck Jackie Martling. So many, uh, great people, Seth MacFarlane, Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, anything coming up live event-wise? Kelly, what do we got on the books? We are gearing up for the main event, which is the World Series of Comedy Finals. That is not happening until September. So mark your calendar, September 11th through the 16th. We're going to be bringing you live comedy every night. It's amazing. It's good stuff. And Rashidi, who uh, works our back-end uh, deals... We're gonna we're gonna have unbelievable amounts of content flooding into Laughly. Uh, if you want to talk about that a little bit, Rashidi. Yeah, well, you know the the greatest thing that um, Laughly um, can offer a, a lot of users is discovery, and we're going to be the mother load of discovery um, because now we have a uh, over twenty labels that. Our, um, that we have in our library. Um, and, you know, we just bought in um, some new content recently um, in which we round out a lot of uh, our really great urban comedians like Mike Epps, um, Leslie Jones, Cat um, Williams, uh, a really nice selection of comedy. Um, in addition, you know, we just brought in labels like, for instance, um, Laughing Hyena. We just bought in um, uh, master classics, um, you know, a really great list of labels that on the comedy side that are, you know, going to give us, um, an extra 10,000 to 20,000 titles. So, you know, if you're really, really looking for something, there's no doubt that you'll find it on Laughly. Yeah. And that, and that's just, uh, you know, that's just to compliment the already, 
uh, established stuff like Comedy Central Records and Comedy Dynamics and all the all the big boys in comedy. Like we've got all that already, and now we're just we're literally a catch-all. So it's the one-stop shop, Laughly. If uh, you're enjoying it, thank you so much. If you're one of those 250,000 users, thank you so much. Keep telling your friends and family about it. Get them to sign up. They'll be blown away. And uh, we have new original programming uh, that I'll be announcing shortly, too. That's right around the corner. And, of course, what Kelly talked about with the live events, those are going to be coming in as well. So, again, guys, congratulations on the milestone. Pretty sweet. Congrats on another episode of the Cheat Sheet right here on Laughly. That's going to do it for us. Any parting words from you guys? Nope. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> take, take care, guys.